Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Go to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 6, and this is the sticking point. Well, we can go verse 4. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We established that griefs was sickness and sorrows was pain. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And I dealt with that little phrase, how that, that we thought that he was smitten of God, and we thought that he was afflicted by God. And then verse number 5 says, could have been like, been like, no, he was wounded. It says, we thought that, but here's the real deal. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. And then verse number 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And here's the sticking phrase that people have asked me about. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So people have been taught through the years that that phrase means that God put sickness on Jesus. God did not put sickness on Jesus. If you study this phrase, you will find out that the word laid there is translated intercession or intercessor. So here's what it says. The the Lord has made him the intercessor of our sicknesses or the go-between of our sicknesses. So God didn't put sickness on Jesus. It was Satan. I mean, God lifted his spirit and Satan went ahead and, and all of that. And so when the Bible says that, God, that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, that means he made him the intercessor. Now what did Jesus do when he ascended into heaven? The Bible said that he became the intercessor for you and I. He was the go-between. So even in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 6, the, one of the major prophets is prophesying that the Lord Jesus would be the intercessor, the one that goes between God and man. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that. All right, clearer than mud? Say amen, pastor, I understand. Only if you understand. You understand? Amen. Okay, all right, let's get into the word here today. Oh, God loved this. It needs its papa. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it amazing when a grandbaby just does that, all of a sudden your heart just goes... Isn't that something? Wow. Okay. Isaiah, not Isaiah, uh, 3 John chapter 1, 3 John chapter 1, and uh, verse number 2, very familiar portion of Scripture here, says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now that's going to be our springboard Scripture today. We'll deal with a lot more Scripture, but that's going to be our springboard scripture. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. We pray that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate your word, touch the ears of the hearers to hear our hearts to receive today. Help my words be as the pen of a ready writer, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Why do people get sick? 3 John chapter 1 and verse number 2. Beloved, I would above all things. Somebody shout, above all things. That thou, say that's me, mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul 
prospereth. Now before we get into this, I just want to kind of talk about a few things so everybody understands where we're coming from. Number one, I want to explain the difference between a healing and a miracle. Some of you have heard this before, but we have new people here, and so I want to explain that. A miracle is something that happens right now. It's instantaneous, just like that. And God still does miracles. He does. God still does miracles. A healing takes a little more time. A healing is the rapid acceleration of divine health. There is a recovery period. Now here's a little healing wisdom that I want to share with you today. And the first thing I want to say is your body was not created to die. It was created to live. If you don't believe me, watch someone, and I'm not mincing words here, but watch someone try to die. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, I'm being very respectful because I've stood beside the bedsides of many people who have went home to be with the Lord and who have died. And in their last breath, their body is still trying to live. So that just solidifies the truth that you weren't created to die. Your body was not created to die. Your body was created to live. Physicians and those in the healthcare profession, in my opinion, are partnering with God in the miraculous healing of your body. A physician cannot heal you. A, fit, a physician can move some, remove something that ails you. A physician can try to correct something that later would eventually uh, cause you to die. Say, for instance, like a clogged artery or something. They can go in and they can fix that. But after they have opened up the body or after they have made the incision or whatever, then they have to sew things up and then they have to just leave your body to the miracle of healing. To the miracle of healing. So in my opinion, physicians are partners with God. Those in the healthcare profession are partners with God in the miraculous healing of your body. Now I want to give you another piece of wisdom here. And this is pastoral wisdom. You won't hear this everywhere, especially in faith churches and word churches. And we're a faith church and we're a word church, but I'm going to just venture out here and I'm going to say this, all right? When you receive a prayer for healing and the recovery does not come, then for goodness sakes, keep your faith in God, but go see a medical professional. It does not mean that you do not have faith. It's going to take faith for your body to heal after the medical professional is through with you. So it's important for us to use wisdom. This whole thing, and there was a lot of it when I was growing up, this whole thing about, well, I praise God, I'm just trusting God, and I'm believing God, and I've never, there's not even an aspirin in my medicine cabinet at home. Well, God bless your little holy pea-picking, cotton-picking heart. I'm going to tell you right now, there's anti-acid, there's ibuprofen, there's aspirin, there's blood pressure medicine, and other things like that in my medicine cabinet at home. Does it stop me from praying? No. Does it stop me from believing God? No. Do I feel like that I'm not operating in faith if I have to use that? 
No, because I pray first. I pray first. But if the recovery does not come, God does not expect you to suffer through. You should not suffer through healing. You should rejoice through healing. So it's important for us, if you need to go to the doctor, for goodness sakes, go to the doctor. Okay? Now, like I said, you won't hear that in a lot of faith churches. So now let's get to what we're talking about today. Uh, Why do people get sick? First of all, I want us to work on just a few moments on the concept that it is the desire of God for us to be healed. God wants us to be healed. 3 John chapter 1 and verse number 2, our springboard scripture says, Beloved, that's us. He said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. I think the key there is even as thy soul prospers. Now your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. And sometimes it takes a whole lot of the word to convince your mind and your will that God wants you to be well. There's all kinds of sickness. We dealt with it last week. We talked about spiritual sickness. We talked about soul sickness. And we talked about physical sickness, didn't we? That we are spirit, soul, and body. We are not body, soul, and spirit. We are first spirit, then we are soul, then we are body. Sickness, disease, pain, turmoil does not bring glory to God. The healing of sickness, disease, pain, and turmoil is what brings glory to God. Deliverance from sickness, disease, pain, and turmoil is what brings glory to God. But the sickness does not bring glory to God. When I made that statement once, someone made the statement to me. They said, well, what about the man that Jesus healed where the Bible said, uh, why is this man sick? Did this man sin, him or his parents? And Jesus said that none but that the glory of God might be revealed. Well, I want to tell you something. It wasn't the sickness that brought the glory to God. It was the healing of that sickness that brought the glory to God. So sickness will never bring glory to God. God's not going to make you sick for you for, for, to use you for the glory of God. He might take you while you're sick and heal you for His glory, but God's not going to make you sick for His glory. God doesn't put sickness on us for His glory. If He did that, He would be Satan. How do you know that? Because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible said Jesus comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. What does sickness do? Steals, kills, and destroys. What does healing do? It ministers life back into our broken body. That's what healing does. Psalms 91 and verse 16 says this, With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Did you know that you have the promise to live a long life? In the book of Genesis... There was a bunch of moral depravity in the world. Adam was 810 years old. God said, I'm going to destroy man. I'm done with this. I'm tired of creation. I don't like sickness. I don't like, I don't, I mean, I don't like all of this uh, sin that's going on. So he said, I'm going to destroy the world. And so Adam prayed, some of them prayed, and God said, I'll give man 120 years. Man should live 120 years. And, 100 and during that 120 years, was when Noah built the ark and at the end of the 120 years was the flood. Still, God said man's years should be 120. Now, we go in the book of Psalms and the Bible talks about how that a man's years are threescore and 
10, which is 20, 20, 20, and 10, which means 70. And then the Bible says if by reason of strength he could possibly be four score or 20, 20, 20, 20, which is 80. A score is 20. But if you study that in its full context, he's talking about the wicked. The blessed can live up to 120 years. Now, before you get too concerned about it, just understand that God can be with you during those years. God can make you strong. We'll talk about it in just a few moments. But the Bible said that Moses lived to be 120 years and the Bible said that his eyes were not dim and his ears were not deaf. And at 120 years old, he climbed a mountain. He did. He climbed a mountain at 120 years old. So when you're 85 years old, Lady Dot, this is Lady Dot's birthday. She was in the first service. She's 87 years old today. That woman just dances and worships. and She gets on the train and goes all the way to New York. She just loves doing that. She does things like that. Why? Because she's made up her mind that age is nothing but a number and she's just going to go ahead and just enjoy living for the Lord. And she's healthy and God has made her blessed and I'm grateful for that and I'm thankful for that and being around her and being around people like her and Thelma who does water aerobics every day at 84 years old and sometimes leads a water aerobics class. Those are the kind of old people I want to be around. Hallelujah. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now go with me please to the book of Mark chapter 16. Let's work our way through uh, a few verses here in Mark chapter 16. I want to show you this. Mark 16. Here's the good news today. You don't have to live sick. I believe that we can live well. Mark chapter 16 beginning in verse number 14 it says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall, shout it with me, recover. 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 Process of time. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Now in verse number 14, the Bible said that he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and he chewed them out for their unbelief and hardness of heart. He corrected them. He upbraided them. He talked to them about their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those that had said that He was risen. Why was Jesus so upset about this? Because He told them when He was walking the face of the earth, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it again. So He walked into their midst and He upbraided them for their unbelief and for their hardness of heart. Now understand, that's the same people that in verse 20 went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and signs following. Unbelief is not the end of the road. Doubt is not the end of the road. We don't believe what we don't understand. And so many times if we don't watch it, we'll get caught 
in that vicious cycle, well, I don't understand it, so it must not be true. I don't have to understand everything about God. I don't have to understand everything about the flow of the anointing. Come on. I don't have to understand everything about miracles and healing. I don't have to understand everything about it for me to lay hands on you, command the sickness to go and your body to be made whole and you experience the healing virtue of God flow into your body. I don't have to understand everything about that. I don't have to. God can still heal you even when I don't understand it, even when you don't understand it. So the Bible says here that He upbraided them for their hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. Then verse number 15. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What gospel is He talking about? Well, the gospel to the lost is that you don't have to be lost anymore. You can be saved. The gospel to the poor is you don't have to be poor no more. The gospel to those that are sick is that you can recover. Gospel means good news. And the Bible says we are commanded by Jesus to go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature. How do we do that? Well, today we do that with modern technology. That's why we're blowing up social media. That's why we're really building on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and YouTube and all of those places. Why? Because we're trying to be where the people are. And that's where the majority of the people of the world are today is on social media. So we get on there and we say, guess what? The gospel to you if you're sick is that God will heal you. The gospel to you if you're lost is that God will save you. The gospel to you is if you're poor, it's that you don't have to be poor anymore. Now, if you're poor, it doesn't mean you're not spiritual and it doesn't mean you don't, don't know God, but you can receive God's blessing and live in the blessing of Abraham on your life. That's the gospel. The gospel. The gospel, the good news to lost people especially, to lost people, is you can be saved. You don't have to live steeped in the mire and the degradation and the debauchery of sin, but you can live whole and healed and delivered and set free by the power of God. My goodness. The word will work anywhere in the world if you work it. This is not an American gospel. This is a global gospel. It's a global gospel. Well, then how come there's so much sickness in the world today? How come there's so much poverty in the world today? Well, chances are no one has taught them how to prosper. No one has taught them that your faith, you can place a demand on what happened at Calvary with your faith. Now, verse number 16 says this, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. In order for healing to work in you, and in order for healing to work through you, you have to believe. Amen? Come on, come on. Come on, look at your neighbor and shout, Believe! That's right. Just look at him and go, believe. <laughs> you have to believe. 
Pastor, why do you do things like that? So you won't forget it. Somebody over lunch today is going to look at somebody and say, Believe. You have to believe. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now is that a promise of God? Is that what the Word of God says? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's the other side of it. We have a choice to make. And then the Bible said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. And then it says, In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. In His name. It's in the name of Jesus. We heal under the authority of the name of Jesus. We heal because we're sons of God and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We have our identity in Him. We have His name attached to us. And we operate in His authority. So whatever we do, we do in the name of Jesus. When I pray that the Lord sets you free from your sickness, I pray in the name of Jesus. When I pray that the Lord delivers you, I pray in the name of Jesus. Everything that we say, everything that we do, when it comes to spiritual things, we need to do all things in the name of Jesus. Now, let's go on. The Bible said, They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. No, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to be snake handlers. All right? Back in those days in the Roman arenas and different things like that, there was persecution going on and some of that persecution was throwing Christians into snake pits and making them drink poison and things like this. And this was a phrase of comfort to them that the Lord would be with them. And then the Bible said, They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. Why? Because they believed, they have preached the good news, and they're operating in the name of Jesus. And so they do that. They lay hands on the sick. And the Bible said they shall recover. Now the word shall is a futuristic term. Recovery takes a process of time. So we have the prayer of faith, the laying on of hands. We have the shall period here. We have the recovery here. And then we have manifestation right there. So we walk by faith, we talk by faith, we live by faith. We expect God to be true to His Word. If God's Word says that if they lay hands on the sick, that they shall recover, then guess what? I choose to believe that. I don't think that I have to live sick the rest of my life. Doesn't mean I won't have a battle. Doesn't mean every now and then that pancreatitis doesn't try to jump back on me. When it does, I just stretch out in my chair, drink water and liquids, and say, Lord, I thank you that I've received my healing right now in the name of Jesus. See, getting your healing and keeping your healing are two different things. Okay, not getting into that. <laughs> Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, taking his place as intercessor. And the Bible said, And they, those that were faithless before, they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Jesus ascends into heaven. He takes his rightful place as the intercessor. He got promoted. Some people say, did He leave us? No, He lives in us. We're part of His body. We're part of Him. Without getting off on this rabbit trail too far, if He's the head and we're the body and He got promoted, then where does that put us? Promoted. Promoted. Under the law, they couldn't lay hands on the sick and see them recover. 
because he got promoted and we're attached to him under grace, we can lay hands on the sick and see them recovered because we got promoted far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that... Okay. Hallelujah. And the Bible said they went forth and preached everywhere. When they preached, that was the activity of faith. God's got to have something to work with. We go around, I just don't know why the Lord won't this, and I don't know why the Lord... Have you given Him anything to work with? Well, you know, I've just been talking about how, how bad I feel. You're giving the devil something to work with. You're not giving God anything to work with. You've got to give God something to work with. The Bible said they preached everywhere, which was the activity of faith. They gave God something to work with, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word, look at this, with signs following. I am convinced that God is looking for someone to work with today. He's looking for word people. He's looking for people that will have the audacity to believe. He's looking for people that will say, you know what, I'm going to take my place. I'm going to walk in my authority. I'm going to embrace my sonship. I'm going to believe what the Word of God says. I'm going to activate what the Word of God says. And when that happens, the Lord will confirm the Word with signs following. Why? Because we preached it, we believed it, we operated in His name and had the audacity to launch out by faith to receive what we need. Faith Activation produces manifestation. Manifestation requires faith activation. You can't have your healing without activating your faith any more than you can have your salvation without activating your faith. How do I activate my faith? that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be sozo, saved. Remember last week? Romans 10, 9, thou shalt be saved. The word sozo translates saved and also translates healed. Confession. Confessing the word of God. So, why do people get sick? If God wants us whole, if He's given us power, why do people get sick? And here's the reason that I think we need to study this is because those of us that try to help people get well, if we can understand more why people get sick, then it helps us better address the problem so we can speak to the core of it and command it to go and then get their body in a position where they can receive their healing. So we're going to start right here. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. The Bible said, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. I'm going to read that again. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The sin of disobedience is the reason that there is sickness in the world today. Not necessarily your disobedience or your mamas or your daddies or your aunts or your uncles or anyone in your lineage. All sickness, all disease, all sin can be traced back to one sin in the Garden of Eden. The sin of disobedience. Now, let's think about the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there was no pollution. 
There were no toxins. There was no waste. There were no viruses. There was no fear, anxiety, grumbling, complaining, or fast food in the Garden of Eden. There were a couple of trees there. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis 2, 16 through 17, the Lord commanded Adam saying, Of every tree of the garden you can freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. He was surrounded by beautiful gardens, waterfalls, Another species of humanity that when she came walking through the midst, he said, whoa, man. And that's how she got her name. Woman. Preacher joke. But he was surrounded by all of this. Everything that he had named. He was surrounded by all of this. There was one tree that God told him, y'all don't eat from that. And what one tree did they go to? They were deceived by the enemy, by the serpent. Some people like to blame it on Eve. But Adam could have said no. Come on. She offered it to him. Adam could have said no. When Adam received it, it sealed it. But the Bible said right there, by one man's sin... By one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Sickness results in death. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now, in the Old Testament, when they lived in disobedience to God's law, many times the disobedience would result in sickness and sometimes even death. So why do people get sick? I would say that sickness originates from disobedience. And I think there are times even in the Scripture where the Bible teaches us that disobedience can lead to sickness. Disobedience to God. The second reason that people get sick is through curses and demonic attacks. Both the Old and the New Testaments, we find instances where demons literally caused sickness. Now, that doesn't mean that every person that has sickness, it doesn't mean that they're demon-possessed or have a devil, but there are some instances where there is sickness upon people because there's demonic activity or curses going on, like witchcraft. Sometimes, and we've experienced this personally in our life. Sometimes there's people that get to the point where they just hate our guts and most of the time they just hate the anointing that's on our life or whatever. And so they'll get, you know, with, and we've had witches try to throw curses on us. And the Lord will reveal it to us by His Spirit. Now, I'm not trying to get weird on you, but the Lord will reveal it to us by His Spirit that there's witchcraft activity going on. We start binding witchcraft. The sickness leaves and all of a sudden the blessing comes back. It's amazing to me the people that want to come in here sometimes and boobop and bebop around and act all spiritual and when they get told no, they're out the door and before you know it, they're out there operating witchcraft. Straining at a gnat, swallowing a camel. It's what the Word of God. It's important for us to, to be careful, okay, and be discerning and, and understand is this sickness on me or on this person I'm praying for because of a curse or because of a demonic attack. And if we discern that, then we just take authority over it in the name of Jesus and command it to go and the symptoms of the sickness leave and the person receives their healing. Okay? 
The third thing, why do people get sick? Here's the reason, one of the reasons. Because a lot of people don't take care of themselves physically. If we don't take care of ourselves physically, how can we expect to live well? Let's go to that next slide, Steve. Come on. Unless it's stuck. There you go. Oranges and apples or donuts and muffins. The choices we have to make. Let's just poll the congregation right now. Oranges and apples? Hands up. Donuts and muffins? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But people get sick because they don't take care of themselves physically. They don't exercise. They eat wrong. They have substance abuse. And they live under stress. Stress will kill you. Stress will kill you. Satan uses this against God's ministers today more than anything. I don't have time to get into it this morning because I don't want to go too long or belabor the point. But in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, the apostle Paul was in prison. And he wrote to Timothy and he said, Timothy, I want you to come and minister to me, but I know that you can't come and minister to me because the church that you're at, you've got a whole bunch of people there that are trying to do things for their own gain. So if you leave and the pastor leaves and the shepherd leaves, if you leave, then you've got a bunch of people sticking their nose up there and trying to create all kinds of chaos. And so you go down to verse number 30 and the Bible says that Epaphroditus came and ministered to him. But in verse number 30, the Bible said that Epaphroditus had almost died because of ministry strain. The Bible specifically says it. Let me say it like this. Because for the work of Christ, He was nigh unto death, not regarding His life, listen to this, to supply your lack of service toward me. Let me tell you something about God-called men and women of God. They're going to get the job done whether they have help or not. Come on. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm going to tell you something. Those of us that have the call of God upon our life and have for years and we are very clearly defined, we know exactly what the Lord is wanting us to do. We know the call of God upon our life and we've been flowing in it for a long time. We have a keen ear to hear the direction of God. And when God says, okay, I want you to take this ministry in this direction, then we'll go and we'll try to gather people around us to help us. And listen, if everybody gets around and helps go in the right direction, then it makes the load just a little bit lighter. But if no one comes along, the man and the woman of God who is truly called of God will carry that whole ministry on their backs all by themselves and work until they drop if they have to because it's what God wants. This is what was happening with Epaphroditus here. He almost died because he was busy trying to carry the load that God had given him and the load that other people were supposed to be carrying also. It's so much more joyous to work together. It's so much more fun. My goodness, the only time that ministry really becomes work is when others don't pull their weight. You know? Some people say, well, it's just the same old people that do the same old things. 
We, we send it out. We just get the same old people to do, to do different things and, and, and things like that. And I just want to encourage you guys. I mean, my goodness, this ministry is so much larger than what we see in the two services on Sunday morning. We are doing more than most churches that run about 3,000 people. I am not even kidding you. We are. We are very, very busy around the world, reaching around the world, doing ministry around the world in different places. Very busy. I'm thankful and I'm grateful to the Lord for that, but I can't do it by myself. And you guys help me, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm going to tell you, don't quit helping me because I'll try to do it by myself if I have to. (laughs) Because I know what God wants and I want Him to be pleased. And sometimes if we don't watch it, when we don't get our own way, we pop these little attitudes as if we're going to teach somebody a lesson. You're not coming against us. You're coming against the vision that God has in the house. So do you think I don't have bad days? You don't think, you think I don't pop an attitude every now and then? Ask the staff. You better leave him alone today. Kim, have you had your coffee yet, Pastor? She'll come in with it in her hand. Not taking care of ourselves physically can kill us. Now, don't blame the devil for something you have done to yourself. Can we just say that together? Don't blame the devil for something you have done to yourself. All right, now, hereditary and genetic. These are, in my view, the most difficult areas for people to get healing from. Sometimes it's, it's genetic. But I do believe that God can heal people from that. And without getting too far into it, the Bible talks about regeneration, which is regened. When we give our life to Christ, old things are passed away. All things are become new. We believe that when it comes to our sin and our sick spirit becoming whole when we give our life to Christ. Why can't we believe that when it comes to our sick body and we give our life to Christ why can't we believe that He'll regene us and make us whole? It's something to think about, isn't it? It's something that makes you go, hmm, sila. Something to think about. And then the last thing that I want to talk to you about today, the reason that some people get sick is because some people just get old. Charles, this is what you're going to look like in 50 years, son. Have a look at it. Sometimes we just get old, don't we? Huh? Do we get old? My father-in-law, not that he's old. I know he's sitting back there. But every now and then I'll say, happy birthday, because that comes around about once a year. And he'll say, I'm just thankful. I just want to keep having birthdays, because that means I lived another year. Well, let me give you just a little few words of advice from someone who's just about 50 now. Okay? Be a happy old person. Don't be a grouch. Be happy. Come on. Rock. 
Rock the 50s, rock the 60s, rock the 70s, rock the 80s. Come on. When I'm 80 years old, I'm gonna, hey, mama. Come on. She's gonna be like. No, 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 I mean, you know, be happy. Don't be cranky. Don't be grouchy. God can still take care of you physically. God can heal you when you're old just like he healed you when you were young. It might take your body a little bit longer to respond to the healing virtue, but it'll happen. It'll happen. So rock your way through the 80s. Rock your way through the 90s. 100 years old. Well, praise the Lord. I'm a centurion. Hallelujah. Centenarian. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I think I'll shoot to 120. And you know, 120 isn't all that bad if you're doing it like this. I need Jeff up here. You know, if you're doing it like that, isn't that right? Isn't that right? So I'm, I'm speaking to some of y'all that are nearing being old, okay? Age is just a number. Age is just a number. So live each day to the fullest and for goodness sakes, have fun. Have fun. There's nothing wrong with having some fun. Life doesn't have to be stressful. Life, life can be peaceful. The older I get, and my family gets mad at me sometimes for hearing it, but I just tell them if it doesn't have anything to do with peace, I don't want anything to do with it. You know, they start like that, I disappear. Where'd dad go? Well, he's probably sitting in his chair, away from all of that. Now I'm really in trouble. I'm going to have to eat at the office instead of at the house today. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, life is too short to not have fun. So the older you get, just make up your mind. I'm going to, I'm going to check those things off that bucket list. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy the Lord. I'm going to keep my salvation. In other words, I'm going to behave myself. I'm going to have fun. All right. Let's all stand. Come on. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669 or you may call us at 727-856-1770 our office hours are monday through wednesday 9 a.m to 5 p.m thursdays 9 a.m to 2 p.m and remember the word will work if you work the word